Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, the co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first pod of the new year, and hopefully you're enjoying the new year and getting off to a good start. On this episode, I'm talking with Brian Murphy. He's the uh, founder and CEO of ReliaQuest. For those of you that don't know ReliaQuest, they're a leader in open XDR as a service. And uh, they're actually known as a force multiplier for security operation teams. Uh, I want to thank ReliaQuest, actually, because they're a title sponsor and also sponsoring the People's Choice Award at the upcoming Start of the Year Summit, which is taking place in person down in warm, sunny Tampa, Florida on January 25th through 27th, 2022. So uh, we're looking forward to working with uh, our local host and partner, Embark Collective, down there. And ReliaQuest, obviously, is helping support the event. We're currently scheduling all our different activities. Uh, We're excited about all the attendees that are coming down there. We're expecting a number of people, notable characters from the startup world, as well as uh, lots of great startups, too, that have been uh, selected to participate and pitch their stuff, maybe for a chance to actually compete for the uh, champion title of People's Choice Award presented by ReliQuest, as well as Startup of the Year, where there's an opportunity for any of the companies involved uh, to get involved and actually have a potential uh, 50K investment. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Some of the speakers and mentors that we're rounding up include um, the mayor of Tampa, uh, Jane Castor. She's going to be there kicking things off. Uh, We've also got Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the uh, Back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Erica dunning Minahan or Erica Dunning. Uh, she's from Rain Ventures. She's, I think, I think this is her like ninth year in a row of participating. She's been a big supporter of Startup of the Year. Matt Conwell, the uh, Rare Breed VC, uh, is, is coming down to share his story and, and judge some startups and mentor. Uh, Blake Hall from ID.me, which is also a, uh, a unicorn, an alumni um, of Startup of the Year. Uh, Jen Lim, delivery, uh, Delivering Happiness CEO, and has got a new book called Beyond Happiness. Is going to share um, some things about about that, as well as uh, Jesse Middleton. Uh, he's uh, a partner at uh, Community Fund, and uh, as well as uh, Flybridge. Um, we've got uh, Anna Mason from Rise of Rest Fund. Howard Tolman, who was the former CEO of 1871, and now he's at uh, he's got he's a partner at uh, G2T uh, 3V, uh, which is investing in startups. And many, many more, you know, hundreds of startups, as I mentioned, coming down there for, uh, to be a part of this. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in getting involved, uh, please do register today. You can get tickets at, at summit.startupofyear.com. Again, it's start, summit.startupofyear.com. We're looking forward to seeing you down there. Okay, now let's jump into our interview with Mr. Brian Murphy of ReliaQuest. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for joining. Really appreciate you being here today to chat with us. Uh, for those listeners out there that might not know, uh, what you're up to at ReliaQuest. Can you give a little bit of a background and your overview of maybe of what you've been up to with ReliaQuest, maybe history, history of the organization and, and what you're all about? Sure, thanks. And uh, glad to be with you, Frank. Really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so uh, ReliaQuest, I'm the CEO and founder uh, of ReliaQuest. We are a uh, cybersecurity technology company headquartered in Tampa, Florida. We do business around the world. Uh, we just celebrated uh, breaking the, the 
greater than billion dollar unicorn valuation mark uh, just a few months ago. Uh, and we are the force multiplier of security operations for enterprise customers around the world. Uh, we allow them to extend detection and response in their environments to secure their organizations across cloud, on-prem, hybrid, uh, whatever infrastructure they're running and whatever it is uh, they need to execute what their business does. So largest retailers, largest airlines, largest hospitals, largest banks, um, right down to some of the fastest growing technology companies that all of you represent. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Congrats on the unicorn status. That's that's huge. Um, wanted to dive right into how do you how did you get this started? I mean, you, you're a unicorn now, but you didn't start a unicorn. So take us back. Take us back to the beginning. Like what made you, you know, what was what, where did the idea come from? How did you get it started? And kind of walk us through that journey. You know, it's an, it's an unusual journey. I, I founded the company in 2007. I actually bootstrapped the business for nine years. And if we go back to 2007, the economy was booming. I started the business to really work on the network infrastructure, network technology side of large corporations. And we came out of the gate fast. And um, September 15th of 2008, Bear Stearns fell. And we all remember what happened over the next year and a half there. And, and you know, I'll say it was a a good lesson in entrepreneurship is we were, I think I had a team of 10 or 12, eight months in, we're grinding along. We were doing a bunch of projects, uh, fixing a lot of infrastructure, doing a lot of engineering work, and there were a lot of progress billings. And so our customers were uh, the Fortune 1000 and uh, all those projects were stopped and halted. And I think I lost 250K of billings in a day um, of just that they weren't gonna pay because the projects were stopped. and so. We were wow. fortunate enough time to, yeah, we were fortunate enough time to have a small contract as a sub to a sub to a sub to some groups that were doing uh, some satellite engineering and what they called information assurance uh, for in Iraq and Afghanistan, the Horn of Africa, supporting, you know, the Air Force and some other groups. And we went headfirst into that and, you know, started to really notice, um, one, none of us come from the de uh, defense world or military side. So we had to learn this whole new language. And from 2000, late 2008 into 2010, we got really good at it. But what we found is we were good at was the information assurance side. And that's what they called cyber before they named it cyber. And, um, you know, around 2010, you know, in the government world, you have to have such a big infrastructure to win contracts and, you know, being on all these vehicles is very difficult. If you don't come from that world, it's tough. And so we we made a pivot over to commercial cybersecurity and we realized this massive gap between, you know, large corporations were struggling to get visibility into their data so they could secure it. And some were trying to outsource, others were building their own, some were doing both. And we found our niche in, in the middle of this space where we could directly connect to a customer, correlate their data together, and give them an idea of what to go look at first. And so um, that's the, it's an unconventional way. I didn't raise capital for the first nine years. Uh, we had moved to a recurring revenue model. We started in 2007. We closed our first recurring revenue contract in uh, 2015. We raised capital uh, $30 million in 2016, uh, raised capital again in 2020 with KKR growth. Uh, and so we grew from zero in recurring revenue um, to more than a, uh, to more than a hundred million in recurring revenue from 2015 to uh, late 2020. Wow, that's 
that's pretty substantial. So you, you know, before that, were you literally going out and selling like service packages that would, wouldn't be reoccurring? Like what was the model? Before? Yeah. I mean, in the early days, like I would have, you know, I would have sold services. Uh, you know, I, I would have been a scarecrow for a farmer in the startup days. Uh, and so, um, yeah, in the beginning it was like going in and doing project based, very defined statement of work type projects. Um, and what we noticed was in cyber, it didn't matter how many times you fixed it, it was just going to break again, right? That's all IT. And so mm-hmm. we, um, we registered our first patent in 2013. And right now we have 52 different patents that make up our gray matter platform. And what we've done is over time, we've looked to automate what I call high time, low brain activities out of cybersecurity. And so um, you eliminating the things that we know we don't need to be looking at in cyber and you can use innovation to do that and then allow um, the customer, you know, our cybersecurity customers are world class at what they do. The problem is they just spend so much time looking at useless information. And so we've built our gray matter platform that really acts as that force multiplier so they can detect and respond across more data without having to do it manually. Wow, that's that's amazing. And how do you keep evolving? Because I know you know cyber and the landscape, and you hear the whole Web 3.0 and all this stuff. How do you keep you know keeping up with the the changes that are happening all the time with the internet and everything that's happening around around that? It's a real benefit to our business, Frank. I mean, the, the evolution has caused our mass expansion. I mean, if you go back five, seven years, the idea that a large enterprise would store their data in a third-party cloud environment, whether it's Microsoft or Amazon or Google, was unheard of. Right. And now it's commonplace. And so that actually helps us grow because the more places data stays, that data moves, the more they need to leverage a capability like Gray Matter. And how we stay ahead of it, that's the benefit of having so many Fortune 1000 customers is we're next to them in the fight every day. We're seeing what they see. And so it's really this great, we call it, you know, cybersecurity is a team sport is what I say all the time. And, you know, we're really working with the industry to see where data is moving, what the demand is. And we get ahead of it because we work with so many dynamic organizations that they're on the bleeding edge of their industry and we're able to sit right next to them. And so when we, our product development teams build and our product designers design, it's not a theory, it's not a guess. It's like real use cases that we're looking at and we can build that use case once and push it out to many. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I guess at th- this point, you, you know, early on you said you were, you were going kind of to f- try to find customers. Are, are customers finding you now or how does, how has that evolved? They are, you know, I'd say we're, we're still very much at the infancy of our growth trajectory. I mean, the, the addressable market and the markets that we serve are massive and they're growing exponentially. Um, every year. And so for us, you know, one of the things that we did late stage, we didn't start to really evolve our marketing and sales capabilities until really end of 2019, 2020. So we got to pretty massive scale um, with a lot lot of those mature teams. And so now um, we've always had customers come to us, just reputation. And um, once, you know, you, you solve a problem for somebody and the problem that we solve is real, more people come to you, but now it's elevating above the noise of cyber. And so we're doing a lot more things from different types of advertising, different types of demand generation, um, building different communities in a way uh, that now at our scale we're able to do. And really, 
you know, the, the, the COVID world has accelerated that type of community building uh, in, a, in, a, in a different way, but it's been, uh, you know, it's helped us out tremendously. Yeah, actually, I, I was curious how the pandemic has affected your company, because I know it's all it's affected everyone, right? But some companies have taken yeah. advantage of it in different ways and, and looked at the silver lining of it and all that. So I'd love to hear your, your take on it. Look, there's challenges and silver lining. I think the silver lining is that cybersecurity is if it was already on the forefront of everybody's minds. But as everybody dispersed and went and worked from different locations, that became a big concern and it really accelerated uh, you know, the move to cloud and the move to, to different infrastructure uh, setups and architectures, which which pushes right towards that's our sweet spot. It really kind of brings the market towards us. I'll say the challenges were just like anybody else. I mean, you know, we're as a company, we add anywhere between 60 to 70 net new people per month right now. And so how do you do that remotely effectively and how do you build community effectively and how do you so we had to really learn different approaches to not only stay in touch with our own people, but also connect with our customers that they went from kind of central hubs all over the world to dispersed into hundreds of different kind of home-based hubs. And so um, that was challenging. It's challenging for marketers. It's challenging for sellers, um, those normal motions that they had. So there is equal amount of challenge and opportunity, but it was a level playing field for everyone. Everyone had to figure those things out. And that's part of what I love about entrepreneurship, right? I mean, there's no, um, there's no playbook for this stuff. Like you just have to react. Yeah. You definitely have to just figure it out. And, uh, definitely curious how has it affected your, um, your hiring? Like you've got, where's your team mostly uh, located? Is it just in Florida or are there other places? No. Too? Yeah. So we're, uh, our headquarters is, is technically in Tampa. We have a headquarters of the West in Salt Lake city. We've got a, hundred people in Las Vegas. We're in London. We're in Amsterdam. Uh, we have a large team in Dublin, we have an operation in India, operation in San Fran. So we're pretty well dispersed. Um, hiring, I'd say, um, you know, it slowed right as the pandemic really hit. I think the world was not really focused on where do I want to go work, but you know, what is this thing coming at me? And so we saw it slow, but then we saw it really ramp up through the summer of 2020 into the fall. Um, we're having a, a tremendous amount of success hiring different skill sets and we've, we've got a hybrid work model. And so depending on the team types, you're in the office, you know, two or three days a week and we're located in different places. So it's really about uh, optionality for us. And we've had a lot of success um, being able to hire certain skill sets, um, which, which, is, which has been good. But we definitely saw a blip early in the pandemic where <laughs> For good reason, I think all of us were just trying to figure out what this thing was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to dial it back again, talk a little bit more about your your change from going service to raising your first funding, because that's always, you know, a change in an exciting time and probably new. I don't know if you'd raised funding for other companies or not, but want to just get your your take if you can kind of put your you know push rewind a little bit and go back to that point. What was that like? What kind of drove your decision there? And, and you know, just Overall, what was that? Uh, were there any like driving forces? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, things happen for a reason, right? And and hopefully we make the right choices. Um, I had uh, at the time my when I started the company, my uh, oldest brother was sitting across the table and and uh, wanted to be involved. And he wrote a twenty five thousand dollar check and and uh, into uh, into the company. And we had grown in cybersecurity. This is around twenty fourteen and. Um, he's a, a 
special agent in charge of the DEA and was being appointed to new jobs and just said, Hey man, I can't keep disclosing, uh, that I own this company that I know nothing about. Um, and so it was a, really a catalyst for us to start paying attention and saying, well, well, we could probably grow faster. I mean, Tampa today is much different than Tampa was back in 2014. Right. I mean, we just, it wasn't the same kind of environment where you're even thinking that, you know, you go out and raise capital. It's not a typical, at that point, it wasn't a typical startup hub today. I think it's, it's easy to find resources then it wasn't. And so for me, it was really talking to my brother and, you know, he could barely, you know, he couldn't tell you how to spell ReliQuest. It was like the definition of early dumb money where he's like, Hey, I just want to help my brother and here you go. Um, he got a great return on that, uh, on that investment. And so yep. we, you know, we went out and raised and for me, what started as, yeah, all right, well, let's just get you out of this thing. It, it really got me thinking, man, it'd be great to have a more sophisticated board. It'd be great to have a, a real partner from an investor that's really focused on growth and really focused on the problem that we solve. And so we started having conversations, the beauty of the capital world is they really do a good job of finding you. You know what I mean? If you're having success and we were growing rapidly at the enterprise in a space like cybersecurity, there are a lot of people calling us. And so you just started taking phone calls and I had an advisory board that I leaned on who were former entrepreneurs and had raised capital before. And, and so I had a little bit of a sounding board and, I just went into it of, hey, I don't want to do business with anybody that I can't stand to be in the same room of, right? So I kind of got the advice um, from Tim Holcomb. He, he runs the School of Entrepreneurship at Miami, Ohio, and was a partner to Accenture and built his own startups and sold them. And he had told me, you know, Brian, you need to sit down and write the 10 things that are non-negotiable for you during this, pro before we even started, non-negotiable. And so... I wrote those 10 things and we just started having conversations and FTV Capital were the ones that really did. Um, and I'll say it, you know, from 2016, they're still invested with us today. Six years later, you know, what they said they were going to do is what they've done. And so I really looked for who could I trust and who could help make us better. That's great. And then um, basically great, great advice, advising too. How did you find that mentor? You know, um, he at the time was at Florida State University running the Jim Moran Institute for Entrepreneurship. And uh, I was there at an recruiting event and was introduced to him. And uh, I just called him at, like a couple weeks later and I said, hey, you know, this sounds like a dumb question. We're a small, tiny little company. You wouldn't have any desire coming down and just meeting with us once a quarter and forming an advisory board. And he said, absolutely. And I think says a lot, you know, I learned you just ask, you know, I think so many times entrepreneurs don't ask, um, or they're, we're insecure or we're made to feel like, uh, we have to have all the answers. Right. So it was just great to put myself out there. And Tim said, yes. Right. And I didn't really even know the structure. I mean, our first meeting, I sat down with him and I showed him this like plan to a hundred million dollars of revenue that I'd written on a napkin. I mean, this is like, 2012 and and it wasn't a napkin but it, it could have been yeah right and uh, and you know he just added some structure and a way of thinking but but it's really helped me as a ceo and really helped me now as a board member and an advisor to others just mm -hmm. the way he approached challenges he knew i knew the answers he just knew how to ask the questions right and so that's what it really became for me it's almost like somebody you could call up and say does this make sense and we don't 
a lot of times entrepreneurs don't have that. Right. No, that makes sense. And you're also, you're a Florida State uh, University grad as well. So probably. I am. Yeah. Did you grow up watching Charlie Ward? I, I did. <laughs> he was. I did. Yeah. When I was a kid, those are the days. Yeah. Yep, right. Um, wow. I, we lived in, we lived in Jacksonville. So that was my dad and I saying my brother, oldest brother's nine years older than me. So when he went to college, my dad bought season tickets and we would nice. drive over every Saturday. So that was, I remember the Charlie days. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was great. Fun to watch. Um, okay. So jumping back in so you're you're obviously rooted now in 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 tampa and obviously a supporter of of mbar collectives you're on the board there and obviously you talked already about the changes in tampa i mean you've been in this now for a while in that in that region can you talk a little bit more about the other things you're seeing and what um what your kind of perspective is on the whole area yeah it's a good question i think um there's definitely a maturity. Things like Embark Collective and, and individuals like Lakshmi Shinoy and the vision of Jeff Binnick um, to build those things. Um, success breeds success, right? So when you start to have some of these people come into a market, and then we have great entrepreneurs like Steve McDonald and Tony Benedetto that have been in this market for years that have always wanted to be helpful. We were just kind of missing really... Um, the thing to bring them all together, right? And I think that's what you're starting to see in Tampa. All the pieces are coming together now. People are realizing it's not just a great place to live with great weather. They're seeing, hey, no before can grow here and scale and go public. And ReliaQuest can be an 800-person company growing and scaling at over a billion dollars in value. And the talent is, is, is not only good enough, it's the right talent to be able to do that. And so I think the pandemic has definitely accelerated, but I don't want to take any credit away from the work that Lakshmi's done, the work that the board at Embark, but more importantly, there's 110, 115, 120 founders that had the courage to take their shot, right? And I think for the first time, you're starting to see this community coalesce around and really circle around those individuals taking their shot. And there's a true community forming. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's, that's great to hear. And obviously, um, it's a great place, like you said, for the live work experience as well. So definitely see it. Um, okay, let's, let's move a little bit further along here. We're almost out of time. Um, you talked about some mentors, what are, you know, as a mentor yourself, what are some things you generally would, would share with founders out there that are growing a company or um, maybe some do's and don'ts that you learned along the way. You mentioned a couple things there and I love the vulnerability of sharing those stories. So anything else that comes to mind, I know it's been a, a, a journey for you, but um, it's 14 years, right? So I'm sure there's a lot of things, but anything that comes to mind, top of mind. Yeah, I think for me, I've learned over the years, it focus is critical. Um, you know, ideas are great. Creativity is great, but without execution, it's all fantasy, right? So you've got to be laser focused and especially early, you have to focus your team. And that's whether you, raise capital earlier, you don't. Um, the other thing I've learned is in business, if you do the simple things savagely well, then when a hard thing comes up, you have some bandwidth to handle it, right? So you've got to do those basic things well, and that's all part of that, that focus. And, um, and so those are really two core things that I believe. And then, you know, it's that saying that long shots aren't all that long, right? I think that um, I try to remind myself that it's, you know, steps and punches. You think about a boxing match, you're not trying to win the round. You're just focused on the steps that you take and the punches that you throw. And that's really building a business is it's methodical, right? And um, that it's not a movie. Things, success isn't going to be that straight line. You're going to 
you're going to win, you're going to lose. And if we can be accountable and we can be self-aware and really be honest with ourselves around what's working and what isn't and stay away from the celebrity of entrepreneurship, like focus on the grind and the building. Um, Cause ultimately you're only as successful as your first five hires and your next 10 hires and your next hundred hires. If you can't do that well, you're not going to grow. Well said. Thanks so much, Brian. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, I'm going to leave it at that because some good advice to kind of walk away with. And we can obviously continue our conversation down in, in Tampa at the start of the year summit coming up. Really looking forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity and just really appreciate you coming down to Tampa and helping out this community and all the founders out there, you know, chasing possible. Um, and I, I just appreciate that journey to chase possible. Thank you, Brian, uh, for all those listeners out there. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and learned some things from Brian on his what's been a 14-plus year journey to becoming a from bootstrap to unicorn. Pretty amazing stuff. So uh, hopefully you found it interesting and, and you can share some of his his uh, tips and and uh, thoughts with, with your other friends and uh, network and, and uh, hopefully help somebody along the way. Well, that's it for this episode. Remember, if you have a startup idea and you want to get it started, today is the best day to start that startup. And uh, in doing so, I encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, resources, and everything you need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupoftheyear.com or soty.link forward slash apply. It's again, soty.link forward slash apply. Uh, fill out a simple application, join the community. We'll get you into our Slack community and there'll be a lot of different opportunities to get involved in a lot of different things we do throughout the year. So until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Thanks again for listening and good luck out there starting up. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.